Welcome in, everybody, to XFL Daily Fantasy Central. I'm your host, Rod Gomez. You can find me on Twitter at RJ Gomez. Find the show on Twitter at XFL DFS Pod. Welcome. Welcome to the new era of fantasy football, of daily fantasy football. It's not exactly out yet, but we know it's coming, and we are going to get ready for it here on this show. It is XFL Daily Fantasy Central. Uh, again, this is going to be a show dedicated to whatever fantasy uh, options that the XFL community rolls out, and we're going to touch on a little bit of what we hope it is and what uh, what we're thinking about coming up in the show. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is episode one, so this journey is just beginning, and I hope that that uh, you guys take it with me all along the way and that we find out more and that we're able to continue to grow as a XFL DFS community. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. So, uh, all right, we got uh, a couple of things to touch on in the show. So let's just go ahead and get started with it. So I thought we'd get things started today by getting to know a little bit about the host, which is me and why I'm doing this and uh, why I should be talking about uh, XFL daily fantasy or fantasy in general. So uh, just a little bit about me. Like I said, my name is Rod Gomez. I am from California. I'm from the Central Valley uh, and I have been uh, a daily fantasy player for a while. I've been a fantasy football player for a while and I absolutely love Love, love, love all things football. Uh, I grew up a 49ers fan in the 80s and the 90s, so I had my fair share of championship uh, teams that I've, I've grown up loving, uh, and a Giants fan in the baseball community. Uh, but for the football side, I mean, like I said, I've always been a Niners fan. I, I started playing fantasy football in 1999. I was a one of the first adopters, I guess, of, of the sandbox, the Yahoo sandbox fantasy football games. Um, I mean, I think I'm might have even been 98 that I started playing, but I remember uh, as far back as 99, I was I had a picture up on on one of my social media feeds uh, a while back of me trading. Uh, I think the trade involved Jerry Rice and Troy Aikman and uh, another player that I can't remember exactly who, but uh, yeah. That tells you how long I've actually been a fantasy football guy. And as far as daily fantasy purposes, I mean, I've played NFL, obviously. I've played uh, Major League Baseball. I've played um, a little bit of NBA, not much. I'm not a big basketball guy, but... I've played on FanDuel. I've played on DraftKings, um, you know, play draft and, and all the other venues that are out there to to play fantasy. And so, uh, yeah, I've been doing that, obviously, for, you know, however long it's been out. So uh, it, it's just been a lot of fun. I mean, I'm not a millionaire from it, so take that for what it was. I just love talking about it. So um, if, if we're going to talk about winning millions, there are probably other people out there that are going to try to win you millions. I just want you to have fun. Because at the end of the day, isn't that what daily fantasy is supposed to be all about is fun? Uh, so yeah, but uh, like I said, and then I started playing AAF fantasy when that came out and, uh, you know, just, just dabbled here and there. I've written for companies. I wrote for daily fantasy insider for a while for their CFL content. Cause I'm a huge CFL fan as well. Um, and, and I do love the DraftKings version of the CFL, uh, which we'll talk about actually in another segment. But uh, so yeah, I've played I've played all manner of daily fantasy. I've played all manner of fantasy. Uh, I watch a ton of football. When uh, the Arena Football League introduced DraftKings last season, uh, my friend and I started a podcast about that too. We called it Arena Kings, and we were covering the arena football uh, aspect of DraftKings, and it was a lot of fun. And there was a lot to be said about uh, that that brand of football and that uh, lot of scoring in that. So, anyways, from I'm from California. Uh, I moved away for a while when I joined the army. Uh, I was in the army for a while, came back, and then joined again. Uh, so I'm a member of the National Guard here in California. 
just, you know, I love California. I love the sun. I love the weather. And uh, it's it's freaking expensive, but I sure do love being here in California. Uh, as far as podcasting goes, I've been a sports media enthusiast for quite some time now. Uh, I started my own sports company, Calling Games, here in town for a while. And uh, I have uh, so many podcasts now. <laughs> It's just not even funny. I mean, I guess it is. I do enjoy podcasting. Uh, I did have a stint on the radio for a while here locally. Um, I've done some television. I've done some movies. So I've done, you know, some media stuff here and there. But uh, the podcasting is really where I absolutely love to be. I love being behind this microphone. I love talking to fans of whatever team I'm talking about. Uh, currently, I host a show uh, that's in. It's going to be in its third season here called the Wood Cookie Sawcast, and it's about the Ottawa Red Blacks of the Canadian football. League. Uh, that's been a lot of fun. We've had players, we've had coaches, we've had fans, we've had all sorts of people join us on that show. Uh, and it's just been an absolute blast being a part of the Canadian football experience. As an American, I mean, I know that it's it's an interesting venture to uh, not just follow a CFL team, but actually talk about it and, and talk about the players and, and the season. So that's been a lot of fun. Uh, I recently launched a podcast uh, about a month ago about, or maybe it was two months ago about the new indoor football league team in Oakland called the uh, Oakland Panthers is the name of the team. The show is called indoor cats podcast. And uh, that's been a lot of fun. I mean, I'm only five, uh, five episodes into that now. And uh, yeah, I've had players and coaches on that as well. So hopefully with this show, I would love nothing more than to do the same. Uh, we'll talk to players. We'll talk to, obviously we'll talk to several DFS uh, p uh, players and, and uh, experts and the like. And so we'll bring on a lot of voices that have a lot more experience in, in DFS than I do of winning <laughs> big time money in DFS than I do. Um but I know there's a lot of folks that are going to want to chime in and and be on this show. So we're going to have that. And we're going to cover this XFL DFS in whatever manner it looks like. Uh, and I just, like I said, I love doing it. I love being a part of uh, these types of communities. And I'm just so anxious to jump into this. And I'm so anxious to see uh, exactly what is going to happen and, and what we're going to be doing and how we're going to be playing uh XFL DFS, um, whatever the, the announcement may be and whatever it comes as. So, um, all right, I guess that's enough about me. I mean, if you're going to take anything away from this segment, just understand that I'm from California. I absolutely love podcasting and I'm so excited to actually be doing this show. Uh, I know it's been a long time. I know I've been teasing it for months now, uh, about this show coming out, but with the holidays and with, you know, work being what it is for me, uh, it was, it was hard to actually get this one down because, um, with, well, the, 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 indoor football podcast was a little bit easier because there's a lot more out there, but with the XFL DFS, I mean, there's a lot of XFL stuff, but there's not a lot to go on when it comes to DFS. And it's so difficult to try to make content up, uh, when you, when you have very little to work with. So, uh, and my hats off to those guys that have started XFL podcasts two years ago when there was absolutely nothing to go on, but little threads of hope. So, um, you guys, man, you're the real MVPs for holding it down when there wasn't barely anything to talk about. So uh, hopefully this this one, when it hits the market, uh, is, is enough to hold us over until we actually do get a couple of announcements uh, as far as which venue. But uh, we'll talk about that actually in this segment coming up. So let's uh, let's keep going with the show. The first question in all of this is what is 
the DFS world going to look like as far as the XFL is concerned? Well, our commissioner actually made a couple of announcements, which is why I knew that it was time to actually put this show out there because now we have at least something to go on. We absolutely know that they have been in talks with, uh, the XFL have been in talks with some of the major players in the DFS world to put XFL onto the DFS market. Now, Again, what exactly does that mean? Are we going to see them on both FanDuel and DraftKings? Uh, is this going to be one where uh, we'll find another venue to to put it out? Or uh, what's this going to look like? So for me, I feel as if DraftKings, they do tend to take the risk on some of these sports that uh, aren't completely 100% mainstream. And it's easier for those sports to find some sort of foothold in the DraftKings world. I mean, they did take a chance on the Arena Football League. They've done CFL uh, for the last couple of seasons now, uh, maybe three seasons that they've done CFL. And, you know, it's with mixed results, obviously, because with the, the big ones, obviously, NFL, MLB, NHL, NBA, those are always going to be huge getters. I mean, those those are going to fill up thousands upon tens of thousands upon hundreds of thousands of, of people in their, in each contest. Now, when you go to play some of these fringe sports, and, and again, DraftKings and FanDuel alike, you start to find that the player pools are a lot more thin and that there's not a whole lot of contests to be had. And the prize pools are not as huge as you're used to if you play NFL. Which does a couple of things, and this is what I fear that with this XFL experiment on any of these platforms, um, there's going to be a lot of people expecting to jump into a you know three hundred thousand person contest for a million dollars when really you should just be happy being in a hundred person contest for about three hundred dollars because you know again you're not going to fill these gigantic contests and look maybe maybe they will. I, I, I'd like to think that maybe, you know, a couple of thousand people might enter a contest on maybe the first week. And then, I don't know, when we saw it with the Arena Football League, it was a pretty big prize pool for a, I don't know, mid-range uh, player pool. And then, you know, from there, it just sort of to dwindle down week after week after week uh, to where after a while you were playing in, in some pretty small contests and you weren't up for winning quite as much uh, at the top prize. And that was, you know, that was eight weeks. That was uh, six teams. So it was, it was a little difficult to sustain. And I think if they would have had another season, the arena football league in this, in this, this world, this DraftKings world, we might've seen a little more success. So with the XFL, you know, you're looking at eight teams right off the jump, uh, which is only one team shy of the Canadian Football League total. Uh, so when you talk about DraftKings picking up the Canadian Football League, it would make sense for them to have the XFL as well because it is eight teams. Um, so, but but what does it look like? What is it going to look like once it hits there? Because everybody, again, if you play NFL, you're used to the standard, you know, quarterback, running back, a couple of wide receivers, the flex, the, the defense, the tight end. Well, okay, that's all fine and well for a 32-team uh, 
the league, right, where you have so many options to, to pick from. But uh, when you have only eight teams, that's not the, the variance is not a whole lot to build a team. So there are a couple of things that you can do. Um, and, and when it comes to the, the Canadian Football League, you know, they, they do the quarterback, the running back, uh, and then they do a couple wide receivers, but then they give you two flexes. So you can either pick the running back or the receiver. You're not, you're not tied to it. So you still have to pick, you know, one running back, two wide receivers, but you give a little option. And then of course the roster size is, is a lot smaller than an NFL, uh, an NFL contest. So you're not picking quite as many players. So you can, uh, deviate here from, what would be everybody's optimal lineup. Uh, and, and that's one way to go. And I think that that could be a, a safe way to play it. You know, obviously limit the roster size and, and open up a couple more flex spots and, and no kickers, no kickers. Um, and I say that not because I don't think the kicker position is valuable, but um, when you're taking, when you're talking about eight team leagues, uh, you only have eight kickers. So it's not really to the point where you can, I guess, separate yourself from the rest as far as kickers are concerned. So you do away with the kicker and, uh, and you're fine. You can, you can navigate the rest of the world without a kicker. Uh, but you open up that extra flex spot so you can put another uh, position player in there. Or you can do what DraftKings did with the arena football and turn it into the captain mode. Uh, for those of you who are not familiar with the captain mode, and, and those of you listening to this, this show, I'm sure you probably already are if you're a DFS player. You know what captain mode is, right? You get to pick one person to be the captain. They get one and a half times the points, and then everybody else from there is all a flex. So there's no, you don't have to necessarily pick, um, you know, uh, per position. You can just literally load up on whatever players you can afford. Uh, and, and, and in a situation like the XFL, that might be the way you start because, again, the roster positions are limited. And you've got to have some way to separate yourself from the rest of the crew. Uh, and I'll say that in the Arena Football League, it was, it was a great way to uh, – great roster construction – just conundrum because you you had either you could put the quarterback in there who scored you I don't know sometimes up to 100 points or you could put the receiver that is catching the most touchdowns for almost 100 points so um, you're not going to have that type of scoring in the XFL I guarantee you that much right now but I will say that uh, if it gives you an opportunity to try to roster a, a couple of quarterbacks and their top receivers because what we used to do in the arena football world was we used to do what we called uh, double and triple stacks uh, and and I'll give all the credit for uh, uh, the, what is it, the Wendy's triple stack to my co-host uh, Joe Van Awesome of the Arena Kings uh, DFS podcast. He, he nicknamed it the Wendy's triple stack or the double stack because what we would do is we would take a quarterback and put him against or put him with two of his receivers uh, and then, you know, try to pick another because there was only six players on that on that roster. So you could do sort of crazy stacking like that. So uh, I would not say that I would dip the, the roster size that low for the XFL though. Uh, but I would say that I would leave maybe again, that captain spot and the rest of the um, other, other roster spots as flexes just to see how that might pan out. Um, and then as far as FanDuel is concerned, I mean, again, I just, just, I don't see FanDuel picking up the XFL. I really don't because again, unless they're doing an exclusive deal where it's only FanDuel, um, I just don't see it happening and, and not to say anything against FanDuel and please FanDuel prove me wrong or sponsor the show. I, either way, I don't care uh, because I know that FanDuel, they have their own set of rules that I don't think anybody, I, I don't know. There's a lot of DFS players that rather play on DraftKings. Um, so with FanDuel, I, 
maybe they'll do some of the um, you know late starting matches or whatever. But now DraftKings is starting to do that too. So uh, it's just not I'll, some of the things that were making FanDuel uh, just alone in in what it was offering is is going away now. Uh, but there's another another twist out there, one that I think might actually have some kind of uh, I guess power as well. When the AAF started, uh, uh, there was nothing out there. I mean, there was no talk. I mean, there was talk of, of of fantasy, but I don't think there was any real talk of daily fantasy. And maybe for good reason because it went away. But whatever. But uh, the thing about the AAF is it it created a ton of opportunities for people to create their own things. Um, and so Alt Fantasy Sports started a daily fantasy uh, option. I mean, I'm sorry, not da- uh, uh, um. <laughs> A season-long uh, opportunity for fantasy players, right? So they started season-long teams and season-long leagues for folks to jump in uh, based solely on on really nothing more than just the, the initial roster uh, offerings. So they built that whole site really just to run the AAF fantasy. And they did such an amazing job getting it up. And then as it was running, you know, it, they were working out the kinks and everything was coming together just, just nice. Uh, and then until the league ended, but whatever. But I mean, for all fantasy sports, they, they did the season long, which I could see them picking it up again uh, for that. And then um, uh, Fanball is another opportunity for because uh, so, the AAF was running on Fanball. And it definitely was, uh, it was great. It was a great experience because there was no other uh, fantasy football, there, there's no other fantasy football venue out there for, um, for the AAF. And so now here we are with uh, um, the opportunity to play on Fanball. So it was great. I mean, I loved it. Uh, and so I, th- I think um, we're, I, I reached out to the, the folks over there at Fanball, and uh, they actually did say that they are going to be uh, looking into it and, and trying to pick it up uh, after the holidays, of course. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's something to think about. And I actually think that that would be a great opportunity for folks who don't like to go play in those types of uh you know, DraftKings or FanDuel, and they just, they don't want to swim with all the major sharks. Um, Fanball is is great because the people that are playing are passionate about the sports that they're playing for. Um, so they're not in there, you know, trying to to hustle anybody. It's just a, a great place to get in there and get your feet wet. And, and you don't have to play for a ton of money either. That's the good part about Fanball. They got tons of different contests that you can take a nice chunk of change away from. Um, you know, you're not going to be a millionaire because of it, but look, I'd say that a good, I don't know, 75 to 80% of the, the fantasy community world, the daily fantasy community, uh, is not, I mean, sure, it'd be nice for them to get rich, but they're happy to just see green, right? They're happy to just watch their their lineup go off and win some some money to go play again. And that's really what this podcast is going to be all about. You know, you guys, I, I know that if you're coming here to look for get rich quick schemes or, you know, if, if you want me to sell you a lineup, I'm not going to do that. I mean, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the options. We're going to talk about uh, the player's prices. We're going to talk about one of my favorite things to do when I was writing for the Canadian football uh, aspect of, of DraftKings was to give value plays. Um because what I like to do is find those players that weren't that expensive and to, you know, to, to see them 
maybe succeed or not succeed. So again, it was just something that I would, I would throw in there uh, and then give different price points and, and different players at different price points. And so uh, that, that I think that's what the show is going to be mainly about, right? It's just to help us all have fun playing uh, daily fantasy in the XFL. However, that looks, whatever platform it's on, whether it's DraftKings, FanDuel, play ball, um, well, play drafts gone, but uh, yeah, and, and whatever picks it up. We're going to talk about it, and we're going to talk about it in earnest and have a great time doing it. So, uh, all right, we're going to take a look at some of the quarterbacks in the league and what they can do for you to win you money <laughs> coming in to week one. The XFL did us a favor a few months back and introduced to us the quarterback stable for all eight teams in the league. And so I know that there's going to be battles and I know that there's going to be folks that aren't going to have the job when week one rolls around. But hey, it's fun to speculate right away on who your week one uh, XFL quarterback would be as far as DFS is concerned, right? So given what we have right now and the eight that they announced, let's take a look at some of these guys and, and who you would think about putting in your roster week one to uh, maybe be your captain if it's captain mode or just to try to win you a little bit of money on that first week. And we start with the Houston Roughnecks and they got Philip Walker who went to Temple for four years. Uh, threw for 10,688 yards, 74 TDs, uh, and also was a, a little bit of a rusher, 771 rushing yards, nine touchdowns over his four-year career. Uh, as far as pro experience goes, spent a little time on the Colts practice roster, so not a whole lot of uh, pro experience to speak of. Um, and so that that was in, let's see, Temple was 2013 to 2016, so he hasn't played in a, in a couple of years as far as um, – putting it out there, uh, but he is extremely mobile and accurate on the run. And when I say mobile, I'm not saying that he's a rushing quarterback, but when I, to me, I think escaping the pocket and, or at least escaping the rush is mobile. Uh, and, and when you can get out of the pocket and, and do well outside of the pocket, uh, then I, I consider that mobile as well. So, and, and more importantly, he is accurate on the run and you got to figure that that's going to do him some favors in the season, early in the season, especially when the offenses, uh, have to learn the system and, and the defensive have the defenses have the upper hand and uh, and so he's going to have to probably create a lot of plays on the run and on his feet so uh, again so and then like I said he's, he's able to make plays when the pocket breaks down he is on the smaller side he's 511 so I mean we're talking you know Drew Brees territory here where we're a little bit a little bit smaller than the the offensive line in front of him so he is he, does kind of have to break out of the pocket sometimes to make these plays because it's not very hard or it's not very hard. It's not very simple for a, a smaller quarterback to see over the lineman to make these plays time after time. So uh, Philip Walker of the Houston Roughnecks. I, I'm, I'm curious as well as far as what the pricing is going to look like for these folks, especially depending on what, what way it's presented to us, whether it's the captain mode or, you know, are we going to see these, these quarterbacks pretty much all priced together maybe in the 8k 9k range um are we going to see some of them be ten thousand dollars or i mean what what i wonder what we're looking at so i I, if i were pricing philip walker uh with with no experience real no no you know pro experience but he's got ten thousand yards in his four years at temple that's not bad um i'd probably put him in one of those mid-tier uh you know maybe 8k low 8k high 7k range for philip walker 
Uh, Landry Jones of the Dallas Renegades played for Oklahoma for four years from 2009 to, uh, to 2012. Guy had 16,646 passing yards. Look, so many people are familiar with some of these names, and Landry Jones is definitely one of these guys because he did play at Oklahoma, and he had a great career, 123 touchdowns, uh, which was amazing. And then, of course, stepped into the NFL and played with the Steelers for a couple of years in, in 2015 and to 2017. Uh, where he got 1,310 yards and eight touchdowns. Uh, But I think more importantly was the fact that when Landry Jones came in, because obviously Ben Roethlisberger is a huge deal, right? And anytime he goes down, which it seems like every season, the the Steelers Steelers backup quarterback becomes something of a cult hero (laughs) because they have to carry the load that Ben Roethlisberger, uh, you know, uh, carries all the way. But now when he came in, uh, he was hyped quite a bit, but if you're you can't take over for Ben Roethlisberger because he the guy's just not going away, uh, and, and this season proves that you know if nothing else he comes back again next season. It's just I don't know the the guy will never go down. Uh, he won't stay down. He'll go down. He won't stay down. Uh, but you know it's hard to be a backup quarterback and and get a, a look in Pittsburgh. Uh, and so Landry Jones when he got his look didn't disappoint too much, but uh, by and large you know when you're back up to Ben Roethlisberger your shelf life is not as a starter is, is not very long. So, um, but he is a good pocket passer with a strong arm and he's not afraid to stand in and allow deep routes to develop. So, um, Again, as 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 like we talked about with Philip Walker, his ability to escape the pocket uh, as it collapses might be his strength. Whereas Landry Jones, with the pocket collapsing around him, which is going to do early in the season, uh, the fact that he's not afraid to stand in the pocket and not have to escape it to to throw long, that may do him uh, a, a fair bit of service to you know, escape some of this, this defense that's going to be coming at him screaming as the offense tries to learn their assignments. Uh, so if I were to price Landry Jones, I don't know, I'd put him in the, uh, mid to high 8,000 range. Um, you know, maybe even a little bit closer to 9,000 if, uh, if we're pricing some of these other guys where they're going to be priced. So Landry Jones, Dallas Renegades, uh, Cordero Jones, another Jones guy from the DC Defenders, uh, played at Ohio State for three years from 2013 to 2015, uh, and he only had 2,323 passing yards, 15 touchdowns, but he did have 617 rushing yards and four rushing touchdowns. Uh, so Jones, not necessarily huge with the experience, uh, and then he did play for the Bills in 2016, uh, and was six and 11, six for 11 and 96 yards in his only action. So certainly not a lot of pro experience there. Uh, and, and because of that, he's just flat out a raw rookie. Um, you know, there's not a whole lot of, of film on him. Uh, and, and we just never did get to see him actually, uh, play too much ball so that the jury is still out really. If Cardale Jones can play at a professional level, um, and, and again, not to knock any of these guys, but obviously this is what we got to see, right? We got to see week one, week two, week three, what these guys are going to look like. Uh, and I think they have to prove it to themselves as well. You know, a lot of these guys, uh, sniffed the pros or if not played a little bit in the pros and they're just itching to prove that they can continue to do it. So, uh, with a guy like Cordell Jones, who, who doesn't have a whole lot of actual experience on the field, um, you know, we're going to see exactly what it is that he can bring to the table. And, and what we're hoping for is that, uh, you know, he, he comes out and he actually has a huge season or whatever. If you're a DC defenders fan, especially, um, you know, you want to do that. Uh, but he did win the big 10 championship game award, uh, MVP award. And, uh, they led Ohio state to a national championship. But again, he was the 13 quarterback. So, um, 
it just wasn't, he did it, but it wasn't his season. It was just his game. Um, so yeah, uh, where I would price him, he would definitely be low seven K. Uh, that would be in the, in the price range of, you know, just the, the, we're taking a shot on him cause we don't know what we're going to get out of him for sure. Um, and then of course that leads us to the Los Angeles wildcats and one Luis Perez. Now, if you're uh, an Alliance of American Football fan like I was, you recognize this guy's name uh, because, first of all, they wouldn't stop telling you the couple of stories about him. Uh, one, that he learned how to play quarterback position by watching YouTube videos. That was the story that every announcer loved to tell you. And you may get some of that <laughs> when you watch him in the XFL. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the guy taught himself how to play quarterback by watching YouTube. So what does that tell you about what your life goal is? You can learn it watching YouTube. Just kidding. Uh, but he did play college at Texas A&M Commerce for three years. He was a redshirt in 2015 all the way through 2017 is when he stopped playing. He had 8,327 yards in that time and 78 touchdowns. Uh, as far as pro experience goes, he was drafted by the Rams in 2018 where he saw one half of play in the preseason. Uh, not a whole lot of, of time. And then in 2019, he made his debut as the quarterback of the Birmingham Iron, uh, a Birmingham Iron team that I got to tell you, and I'll, I'll get to it in a second, but he, in, in his time at the Birmingham, uh, AAF team, he threw for 1,460 yards, uh, had five TDs and six interceptions. Uh, and then when the AAF folded, he took a look at the Eagle or the Eagles took a look at him and then they waved him and the lions did the same, looked at him and waved him as well. So, uh, you know, the guy has promising stats, right? Well, not maybe not stats, but promising pedigree. Uh, he was the division two Harlan Hill trophy winner, which is basically the, um, uh, Heisman trophy of division two. So, you know, that that's good. Like I said, he learned how to play quarterback by watching YouTube. Uh, but the thing is, is that Luis is inconsistent, but he can make some huge plays. Uh, and, and really the thing about it when he was with Birmingham, and this is what I was getting to is that he really benefited from Trent Richardson, uh, because he would get them, you know, the Luis would get them. We had a joke in the AF that Luis Perez, uh, between the twenties and the 20, the 20 and the 20. Great, right? Great between the 20 and the 20. But once he got down in the red zone, it was just hand off to Trent Richardson and let Trent Richardson do it. The rest, especially uh, in goal line. Um, goal line carries Trent Richardson gobbled all those up and got him across the, the goal line. So anywhere inside the five was Trent Richardson's territory. Uh, so Luis didn't have to be a great, um, uh, red zone quarterback because he had guys like Trent Richardson back there. Uh, but despite all of that, uh, Luis finished third on the AAF all time passing yards list. And I say all time because it is all time. <laughs> There's no longer a, a, a league anymore, uh, for Luis Perez. But like I said, if you go and watch some of his, uh, AAF highlights, there was a, a couple of games in particular. I don't know one, uh, that was really outstanding and, and, and forgive me. I didn't actually have this loaded up. It just came to my mind right now as I thought about it, but uh, there was a game probably week six. I think it was week six. Uh, it could have been either week six or week seven where all of a sudden it was just Luis Perez looking amazing. He had Quentin Patton going. He had, um, you know, a lot of his guys going that uh, his tight ends going. He just looked like the Luis Perez we were all waiting to see. Uh, and then unfortunately, a couple of weeks later, the week the league folded. So we didn't get to actually see if that was going to come of anything. So now where we go with Luis Perez is now we see, can he pick up on the success he was having toward the end of the AAF run, uh, bring it to the XFL. So if I was to 
price Luis Perez, I would definitely give him a mid 7K um, pricing right now. So I, I, I'd probably put him right at $7,500 uh, to see just to see where we could get from him. I don't know that he's going to blow the roof off week one, uh, but he could come out and do it. Who knows? Uh, and then for the New York Guardians, they bring in Matt McGloin, uh, Penn State alum for four years from 2009 to 2012. Uh, he amassed 6,390 passing yards and 46 touchdowns, which is a uh, Penn State record still to this day. And of course, we remember him most from the Raiders, uh, where he had 1,868 passing yards, 11 touchdowns, and 11 interceptions when he came and subbed in uh, for Derek Carr. He also spent a little time with the Eagles, the Texans, and the Chiefs. But, uh, you know, again, with a, I don't know, some of these, the back, the backup quarterback position is such a crazy thing in the NFL because you're either backup to a person that hardly ever gets hurt or you're a backup that gets put in and then doesn't produce the way uh, everybody expects you to produce. And so then you lose all position, uh, which is kind of what McGloin happened. You know, it was, he came in and the Raiders expected something from him and I don't think they got what they wanted from him. And then, you know, for three years, it was just sort of like, okay, well he's the backup. So, uh, but he is a good pocket passer, right? Again, he, he favors the long ball. He definitely loves to throw that long ball. Um, and he was a consistent position or he was in a constant battle for his position in college, which is why it was hard for him to get the, the stats, uh, that he so desperately needed to, to make it into the pros. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was always in a, in a, in a position battle and that made it hard for him to see the field. Um, and, and it was kind of like that with the Raiders, right? I mean, he, but he played on some teams that weren't so stellar with the Raiders. Um, and then he gave way to Derek Carr. So Derek Carr came in, did his thing. And then it was Matt McGloin. See ya. Uh, so I don't know. Again, this is another guy with some pro experience that, that could bring that to the Guardians and and maybe give them a, a boost uh, to, to say that he's played on, on the NFL roster for a while. Uh, but again, if I was to price him, he would probably be a low 7K, um, low 7K, maybe 72, 71, uh, maybe even right at 7,000. Uh, and then... So then we're looking at the St. Louis Battlehawks, right? They have Jordan Ta'amu, who went to the New York Mexico Military Institute or New Mexico Military Institute uh, for a little while before you know him better as an old Miss quarterback uh, from 2017 to 2018. Uh, he got 3,918 passing. Numbers are hard, aren't they? Uh, 3,918 passing yards, 19 touchdowns, 342 rushing yards, and six touchdowns in only his senior year. It was his one year of action as a quarterback for Ole Miss. Uh, and then when he went to the pros, he had a cup of coffee with the Texans in August. And uh, he's really the only quarterback in the in the XFL with no pro experience, like nothing whatsoever. Um, he really, like I said, only had a chance to t- to talk with the Texans in August, and then they released him. So um, he's coming in fresh. He's really got no pro tape whatsoever, and his college tape is even thin as well. Uh, but he is a rushing threat with an arm, and and basically. He's what we're seeing now as the prototypical NFL quarterback, right? I mean, we're starting to see more of that now, especially with the success of Lamar Jackson, right? Guys who can run that read option or the play action, whatever you want to call it. Uh, those types of guys that can tuck the ball away. A lot of his tape, if you watch, it's just him tucking the ball away and running straight up the middle. So uh, I don't know what that will translate into the XFL game. Uh, if that's what they're looking for, maybe maybe to try to bring that sort of flair into the XFL as well as the NFL. Um, 
Or maybe this is just the type of quarterback that we're going to start seeing coming out of college nowadays. Who knows? Um, but uh, Jordan is definitely one of those guys that's going to show us whether or not that is going to be a feasible um, uh, thing going forward. So, And if I were to price Jordan, he would definitely be in that 6K range. He would be the, the lowest, probably the lowest uh, priced quarterback on the slate, maybe 6,500 um, if we're talking you know, somewhere in that vicinity. Uh, but yeah, so the St. Louis battle Hawks are going to show us whether or not we can, we can, they can win in the XFL with a running quarterback. Uh, and then we move on to Brandon Silvers, another AAF alum. Uh, he is with the Seattle dragons and full disclosure, folks, I'm going to tell you right now, I have adopted the Seattle dragons as my team, uh, because I am, I was born in the year of the dragon. So I love all things dragons and I am going to adopt the Seattle dragons as my team. And no, as a, as a 49er fan, it pains me to cheer for any team from Seattle but I'm going to do it anyways because it is the Dragons. So, uh, and they're the, I don't want to cheer for an LA team. So let's just put it that way. Uh, I, I can't bring myself to cheer for the Wildcats. So, uh, Seattle, I'm going north. And in fact, I'm drinking a Old Magic New England IPA from Jackrabbit Brewing Company that has a picture uh, of a dragon on it. So I feel like I'm uh, doing them some service tonight by uh, drinking that beer <laughs> with the dragon on the label. Uh, all right. So, Brandon Silvers, what about him? Well, he played in Troy for four years. Uh, where he was a red shirt in 2013, and he played all through uh, to 2017, where he had 10,684 passing yards, 71 TDs, and 16 rushing touchdowns. Wow. Brandon Silver's had a good career in Troy. Really good one. Uh, but as far as the pros were concerned, he was undrafted and invited to the Saints camp, where they didn't give him a contract. Uh, but he did wind up with the Memphis Express of the Alliance of American Football. Uh, and Brandon Silvers, what an interesting ride he had in the Alliance of American Football. Uh, he was the ba- he came in as a third string quarterback in that AAF team. Uh, it was it was Christian Hackenberg, Zach Mettenberger, and Brandon Silvers. Uh, and then by the end of the season, you know it was <laughs> Christian Hackenberg uh, went out after a couple of games. Just just he got benched, and then Zach Mettenberger got hurt, and so Brandon Silvers came in. And then when Brandon Silvers finally got the job. Job, Memphis signed Johnny Manziel, and so Brandon Silvers uh, was was quarterbacking while Johnny Manziel was on the team. And, and, and in, in fact, Brandon was getting booed in the game that he started. The first game that he started with the Express was getting booed because he wasn't uh, Manziel, and Manziel was sitting on the sidelines. So. Talk about a, a rough ride for Brandon Silvers, but he had a hell of a game. He had a, a hell of a couple of game stretches there before Manziel finally did end up taking over. Uh, and then, of course, the league folded, so you know, poor Brandon didn't get a chance to show really what he was with worth. Uh, but in those couple of games, he had 799 passing yards with four touchdowns and two interceptions. Um, so Brandon Silvers made his, his small time with the Alliance count. Um, he was signed by the Jets right after that and unfortunately released. So, uh, but Brandon Silvers really was showing a lot in that, in that stretch that he was given the ball. And he had a rough, like I said, a rough situation uh, to, to, uh, to put up with. And then, of course, Silvers was also a teammate uh, of Mettenberger as well. So he, he knew what that was like uh, in college as well. So uh, Brandon Silvers, if I were to give him one, he'd actually be somewhere in the, um, I'd say, 8,700 uh, range, maybe 8,600 range. He hasn't really necessarily 
proven it yet, but he does look pretty good. Uh, and then, of course, there's Aaron Murray uh, for the Tampa Bay Vipers. Aaron Murray, everybody knows Aaron Murray's story. I don't really have to go through it, right? He still holds the SEC record for career touchdowns. Um, he's, he's just a, a face that everybody knew out of college. There's those college quarterbacks that everybody knows, right? We're talking about the Matt Liners. We're talking about, um, you know, even the Aaron Murray's, just those guys, the Johnny Manziel's, those guys that everybody knows coming out of college. And, you know, it's like, ah, yeah, that's the college guy. Well, Sometimes that college doesn't necessarily translate well to the pros. Uh, he was drafted by Kansas City in 2014, released in 2016, didn't even see a whole lot of real action, uh, had some run with the Cardinals, the Eagles, and the Rams, um, and then did not really latch on to any one of those. Went to the booth to call college football uh, and then played for the uh, AAF in, in the Atlanta Legends. Uh, where he threw for 1,048 passing yards and three touchdowns. Uh, and, and listen, to be fair, the the legends were one of the um, I don't I don't want to say worst teams, but they were pretty they were pretty down there uh, for most of the season. They started out oh and you know whatever, and, and it just was hard for those guys to get moving. So Aaron didn't really get a, a huge. Um, I don't know. He just didn't get a lot of support. He looked good, but he didn't get a lot of support. So uh, where Aaron Murray is going to to bring to this is, you know, a, a second chance for him, a third chance for him to to prove that he can still play the game. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure that his NFL looks might be uh, over at this point, but uh, I don't know. It, it might be might be something where he latches on and all of a sudden NFL teams are calling again. You never know. You never know with this type of situation. Um, what his ultimate goal is going to be. But uh, for right now, he is a Tampa Bay Viper, and he is bringing all of that uh, that SEC experience to Tampa Bay to try to uh, bring the Vipers a championship like he was not able to do with the legends uh, of the AAF. Uh, if I were to price Murray, I would give him uh, probably about $7,200, $7,300. Again, I still, I know what he brings to the table, but I also know that, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at a guy who can't necessarily, um, I don't know, it's a new situation for him. And when he started out in the AAF, it was a new situation for him and he struggled out of the gate. So, um, you know, when you see that type of struggle, then, you know, it doesn't lend itself to a huge price. So... Uh, all right, listen, that is the, the, those are the quarterbacks. Those are the eight quarterbacks that are listed right now as the, the folks that they brought in to be the names of the league. So where are they at and where they're at and, and, and where they're going to stay, if they're going to be the starting quarterbacks on day one, we don't know. But uh, if you're looking at, at building your week one lineup, um, I'm telling you right now, I would, I would end up going with Brandon Silvers as my starting quarterback for, uh, my first DFS lineup, whatever that may be. Um, I don't know if I put him as captain. I, I don't know. Maybe I would put a receiver or running back as captain, uh, one of his receivers and then stack him with him. Uh, you know, Brandon, maybe get the receiver as the captain and Brandon as, as the, one of the flexes. Um, but yeah, and then you might even be able to, you know, fit a couple of quarterbacks in it if it is the captain mode because of the price. Uh, maybe you do take a chance on a guy like Jordan Ta'amu, uh, you know, cause he's going to probably be pretty cheap. So you could put him in and maybe he'll give you some good run, uh, and, and get you a good score at the end of the day. So, uh, all right, that's, see, that's fun. That's the kind of stuff that we'll, we'll do. We'll talk about the, the different quarterback tiers and, 
And once we get an actual uh, platform to play on and, and pricing to go off of, this show will probably be a heck of a lot more fun. Uh, but for now, we'll just have fun speculating on, on who's going to be where. And uh, we'll take a look at some of the wide receivers on the roster. We won't go down all of them, obviously. But you know, maybe we'll take a look at the top eight or top I don't know, 10 and, uh, and see what we're doing for the next episode. So, all right, let's close out the show. Hey, that was fun. Yeah. I think we had a great time bringing this to you. This was episode one, of course, of XFL daily fantasy central. I of course am your host, Rod Gomez, And I just, uh, I just want to thank you. Thank you for allowing me to, to fill your ears and, and to talk to you about uh, something I'm absolutely passionate about, which is daily fantasy and a league. I'm curious and, and I'm going to love getting involved in. I, I loved the first run of the XFL, uh, Full disclosure, uh, San Francisco Demons was my team back then. Uh, I do remember when the very first game hit, it was the, what was it, the um, Hitman and, uh, who was it? It was Hitman and I feel like it was somebody else that played that very first game. But anyways, I, I remember showing it in my barracks room when I was in the Army. Not very many folks were that excited about it. I was, and I'm, I'm excited about this. I, I really do love football in all its varieties. I, I, I'm a, I was a little reluctant to adopt the XFL. Um, but now that they have daily fantasy, I'm really excited to jump on board. So we'll see where this goes. Uh, again, thank you for listening. And uh, if you want to get in touch with the show, uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter at XFL DFS pod. Um, I'll have an Instagram probably sooner rather than later uh, and some other forms of uh, social media. I'm on Reddit as XFL DFS pod. And then of course you can follow me on Twitter at RJ via Gomez. Uh, send all of your uh, hate tweets my way if you want uh, or <laughs> tell me that you're uh, you know, you enjoy the show uh, either way. I-, I love to hear from you. I love to talk to you and I love to uh, interact with everybody out there. So uh, as far as uh, this show is concerned, episode one is in the books episode two will come very shortly we'll again we'll talk about some receivers and maybe some other dfs news if it comes out so uh all right xfl fans let's get ready to make some money <laughs>